Hello and welcome to Long Covid Physio Podcasts. My name is Darren Brown. I am a physiotherapist and I am living with Long Covid. And today we have our guest, Ted. Hello, Ted. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, Darren. Thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Ted DeShane. I'm a physical therapist, as we call them here in the States. I work in the Detroit area of Michigan. Um, My specialty is pediatrics, um, but I also do some uh, contingent work in the acute care hospitals um, locally, which is where I've had most of my experiences with COVID. Um, So yeah, I've been a therapist for about five years and um, met with this group, reaching out for some uh, support for dealing with this illness that we've all seemed to come down with. So um, yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you and also to have a proper conversation with you, because as you said, like we've we've briefly met kind of online, haven't we, through our shared experiences of living with long COVID. And uh, it's actually I'm actually really looking forward to this because I feel like I know you, but I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite a interesting and fun little experience to have that we've all kind of had a similar journey and met, along, met and picked up people along the way. And um, yeah, I've gained a lot from you and the others in the group. So yeah, it's great to be able to to kind of sit down and talk one-to-one now. Yeah, we're all learning from each other. But one question I do have to really ask you is about the animal theme on the wall behind you. <laughs> we, <what laughs> yeah, we, um, so we live in a little more rural town outside so we've got a little mini hobby farm here with goats and chickens and all sorts of little fun animals so yeah so that's kind of our little uh, farmhouse theme we've got going on back here so it's come in handy for all the zooms we've had to do this year so so how much so you actually have livestock yeah yeah just just some small chickens goats rabbits you know nothing major but more than I've got I haven't even got a (laughs) hamster keeps you busy for sure oh well for those people that aren't watching on youtube but maybe listening on a podcast like we've got some lovely animals behind you (laughs) what what is that chicken that chicken with the big headdress thing yeah so that's uh i forget what it's called a silky chicken maybe we've we had one years ago and named it lady gaga um affectionately so so that's our (laughs) homage to her she's unfortunately moved on but (laughs) (laughs) lady gaga is in a better place (laughs) exactly the farm in the sky we say (laughs) yeah the farm in the sky i like that well ted i was wondering if you'd be so kind to share with us your story of living with long covid yeah absolutely so um as i kind of stated earlier i work in a local acute care hospital here um and um back in march kind of before we really understood what was going on. Um, I, I'm assuming maybe that's where I picked up my infection. Um, you know, I had the pretty classic symptoms, um, cough, fever, shortness of breath. Um, I was desaturating, fatigue, all those, all those things. Um, and I definitely kind of dismissed it at first. You know, there wasn't any really, there was maybe a handful of cases here in the state. So I assumed there's no way I could be in that small group of people here. Um, and it, it took a lot out of me for quite some time um, acutely. I probably couldn't really work for three to four weeks. Um, fortunately, and I'll kind of touch more on this later as we talk about our topic, um, our school went remote as many did. Um, I'm a school-based therapist full-time. So um, as we went remote, I was able to kind of 
get through the acute phase of my illness. Um, and even amongst doing Zoom calls and kind of talking to parents on the phone, I somehow managed all that um, uh, and got through that. So um, probably, you know, so that was mid-March when I got acutely ill. I was probably sort of better by, you know, beginning of April, a couple of weeks later. Um, and then just as so many of us have got right back into it, went to work and and went back to, you know, trying to run and exercise and, and all those things. And, and that's when I, um, you know, started getting sick again. And I thought, well, that's strange. You know, I never was able to test positive, you know, another common theme uh, among healthcare workers in March, there wasn't testing capacity, nor was I considered high risk. Um, so there was no test that I could take to say that, yes, I definitely had COVID. And and that took me a long time to accept um, that I did have COVID um, because, you know, I just never had the positive test. So um, as I was getting sick every now and again, I'd have these, what at that point I had called um, relapses. I would get fevers and cough and short of breath and tired. And, and I thought, well, maybe this is the time I have COVID since I didn't have it before, maybe, who knows? So I would get tested and you know, at that point, tests were taking seven days to come back. So I'd sit in my house for seven days and wait for my negative test. Of course, it was always negative to come back. And I just thought, well, this is the strangest thing. And, and then I would feel better and go out running and go to work and, and rinse and repeat over and over again. So, um, you know, at that point, I had kind of started to see some rumblings of this, at that point, long haulers, um, they were being called or post COVID syndrome, you might have heard. And, and I thought, well, this sounds strangely like what I'm going through. Um, so I went to my primary care doctor and talked to him about it. And he said, well, let's do an antibody test. That'll tell us. And I thought, okay, this is my, this is my positive test I've been waiting for, not hoping for necessarily, but at least it would have been an answer. Um, and, and that came back negative. You know, this was some maybe five months later. So who knows, testing, maybe my antibodies waned. Um, you know, it's hard to say that was another blow to the gut of mm. finding an answer. Um, so then my doctor just kind of called it a post viral syndrome illness fatigue, um, said it will run its course kind of thing. And, and I just happened to be on Twitter that evening, you know, just scrolling and saw some tweets from some people in our long COVID physio group that at that point, I, there wasn't a group, actually, it was just a few of us chatting and, um, you know, Daria was actually the one who reached out and said, you need to stop. And I was like, wait, what? This is, not, this is not what I know as a physical therapist. We don't stop. Like, that's not the answer. So, you know, we, we talked back and forth and, and just, um, you know, between all the people that the first few members of the group that we had, I was able to kind of validate, yeah, this is, this is what I'm experiencing. And, and they're having exact not necessarily exact, but, you know, we're following the same path. We've had the same rinse and repeat, boom and bust, whatever you call it. Mm. Um, and it just was like, a, you know, a light opened up and I understood what was going on. And, and um, you know, ever since then, I've been able to manage a little better, not perfect, of course. Um, but yeah, it was, it's quite an interesting thing we've all been experiencing here. So it sounds like there's, for you, it's been not only really up and down, but also uncertain in, in the, the acknowledgement of, is this even COVID? Because that 
testing has been a, a challenge in terms of identifying the cause of this. And actually, it sounds like for you, it's been the, the symptom profile that has really enabled you to identify that you're living with long COVID. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, just, and that's, I think that's part of the, the process of getting better too, is just accepting that maybe we don't know, but it's okay to kind of, you know, hold on to this for now. Um, but yeah, those symptoms were just textbook and, and I'm um, just hearing the experiences of everybody else, you know, I'm kind of nudging my way into the group without my tests. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's really important as well that we recognize that because at the moment that we were, we were both, you know, contracting viruses in the beginning of this and both, you know, if we got both got COVID, both got it in March and there was no testing. And mm -hmm. even today there are still arguments about the accuracy of testing. Um, and, you know, there, there, there are challenges with the antibodies as well, because evidence is showing that there, there is a, a, a gradual, a potential gradual deterioration in antibody presence in the body after yeah. a certain number of months. So it's really difficult, which is why a lot of the, the current, um, what's the word? Not, well, not, not guidelines, I suppose, working um, guidance on, mm. on long COVID is anyone that has symptoms that are not, um, not really representative of another healthcare condition. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of a, 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 a rule in diagnosis at the moment. I suppose that's not the right language actually, but if you've got symptoms that fit the profile, then you've probably got it, right? And it's important mm -hmm. we recognize that because so many people haven't had the right, uh, haven't had the accessibility to testing. Yeah, certainly. I think that's important as, as healthcare workers too, is, is that we, um, you know, recognize and validate the experiences of our patients, um, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of, of what they're going through, they're going through it. So, and we're going through it. So, um, and, you know, that was a big piece for me was just, you know, hearing someone say, yeah, I think you do have this and this is what we're going to do. Um, so, you know, as we, as we as physical therapists and other healthcare workers move through this, um, and we're, you know, we get from the acute phase to the chronic phase, which we're in muddling in the middle somewhere right now. Um, you know, we need to validate those experiences of our patients and, and just know that we're there to help them. And, um, you know, that was the first step for me getting better, I think, was hearing my doctor say, you know, he never said long COVID and, and I wouldn't have expected him to at that point. But he said, you have some sort of post viral illness. Um, and, and, you know, hearing you know, our group say, yes, this is what's going on, was kind of the first step to say, okay, I've got this, um, you know, what can we do now? So um, mm. that's an important point for us as healthcare workers to kind of go with our patients too, as we treat them. Yeah, and actually, I can echo that myself, because um, my, my experiences were slightly different, which is that I, I never had a positive uh, swab test, but I did have positive antibody tests. And um, my, my doctors have never diagnosed me with long COVID. I've never had it written down uh, mm -hmm. on my records, not that I've seen my records. Um, right. <laughs> but it's never, it's never been diagnosed. I've mm -hmm. always been told, like, for example, when I was sick and not able to work uh, six months after my acute episode, I was labeled with post-viral fatigue. Um, mm -hmm. That was my working diagnosis because the language is still difficult, isn't it, around what is it? And um, so, yeah, I've, I've not, I've, I've been referred to a long COVID service, but I don't know that I've been diagnosed with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
right, exactly. We're kind of in a gray area right now, so it's mm. you know it's tough, but um, yeah, I think we're moving moving that direction. So. Yeah, and I suppose that's all. You 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 reference this in terms of the phases that you went through with acknowledging the the health related challenges that you were experiencing but also in terms of how you were then self-managing that you talked about using exercise and boom and busts what could you tell us more about that yeah so um you know i think our training is that you push and you get better and you try one more one more mile or one more rep and and that's how you know you've succeeded and and that's what i was doing i was doing a run and and i you know feel tired and i thought okay we're going to do a run a little longer next time and then you know i'd go to do my run and i'm like i can't i can't get off the couch i can't lift my head off the pillow and that was that was my first sign that something was not right because i knew what the expected outcome should have been of of running and that's the normal feeling of fatigue and a normal amount of muscle soreness but um you know this was something i'd never experienced before this was a it's a deep fatigue it comes from somewhere deep within and, and you're laying in bed and you're like i can i open my eyes okay i got my eyes open can i lift my head off the pillow no i don't think i can today that's not going to happen today and that was my first kind of clue that what i'm doing isn't isn't the normal progression of things. And, and that's kind of when I started seeking help elsewhere and, and understanding that I was booming and busting because at first I didn't put the two and two together. I was exercising, I was getting tired, fatigued, tired, and I, and I didn't piece it together. And it wasn't until someone told me, you know, pay attention to when you're, when you're exercising, what happens, and then you see the relationship and you're like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this, you know, what may be post-exertion malaise kind of feeling. Um, and, and that was hard at first because I wasn't piecing those puzzle pieces together. Um, you know, I was mostly remote for work, um, which um, I'll talk about when we get to that hot topic was a blessing. I think it saved me for sure because I probably would have pushed myself right over an edge had I been working and exercising and, and doing all that. So um, you know, the triggers or the whatever is triggering those boom busts was was important to recognize. And, mm. and I think was kind of what this group had helped me understand that I wasn't grasping myself. So that feels really familiar to me, Ted, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that not being able to piece it together. I, yeah. you know, like, I, I'm probably a bad physio in that I don't exercise as much as I should. However, because I was experiencing fatigue, I started to implement my rehab mind. And I was right. like, I need, to, I need to do a graded exercise program to build up right. my stamina because I'm experiencing fatigue and I couldn't piece it together at all. Mm -hmm. Even though I maybe had been aware of what some people were saying online, I still wasn't piecing it together. It, the, yep. the dots weren't joining that exertion was leading to my symptoms becoming worse afterwards. Um, and again, it, it, I think this is where these shared stories are so valuable um, right. because it's helping hopefully other people piece the dots together um, mm -hmm. because it's been a really common thread for us, hasn't it? In, in our, in our group, particularly. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And, and, I think part of that is our, just our, I don't know if you want to call it a type, just our, as physical <laughs> therapists, we're kind of that kind of person. So I don't know if that's it, but, um, you know, um, yeah, we definitely have seen that in our group. And, and as you'll see on, on Twitter, as, 
the common theme is, oh, I've been nodding along the whole time because it's just like, yep, that's me. That's what's going on. You know, yeah. I had no clue anybody else was experiencing it. And, and that's another thing is you have no clue anyone else is experiencing it because we, we put on our happy face. You go to work and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even know if many of my coworkers know I'm going through this because you, you go to work, you do your job and you come home and then, um, you know, your spouse or partner or family notices what's going on because you can maybe hold it together at work, but then you get home and it's all just downhill from there. So, yeah, um, and that's the invisible illness that we've, um, you know, so many people have um, been yelling about for years and it's, um, you know, been kind of pushed aside and, and now it's back to the forefront just because there seems to be larger and larger numbers of us, so. Yeah, completely. And I suppose uh, I'm guessing you're referencing there uh, people living with MECFS or um, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're definitely having to um, learn so much from rapidly learn so much from their experiences, because um, for us as physios, the, the stop, rest, pace uh, message is maybe not ingrained in our training or in our indoctrination into mm-hmm. rehabilitation. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was even after acknowledging that that's what I had to do, I mean, it was nearly impossible to figure out. I mean, there's so much to do. You have to work, you have to, you know, clean your house, you have to do your laundry, you have to, you know, go feed the goats in my case. So, oh my God, the goats, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just running yourself ragged and, and um, you know, then you really have to, the first part of that is stop. And that, that is what you have to do. You have to stop and you have to think, which is another thing that's hard to do when you're living with long COVID. But um, yeah, the, the uh, MECFS group has been um, very helpful in, in kind of guiding us as a group to, to treating. So. And, and you've mentioned work a couple of times. And obviously, uh, we, when we spoke about this before, our kind of like hot topic, wasn't it, was going to be kind of living with long COVID whilst working and mm-hmm. responding to the global COVID pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah, tell us more about your experiences in terms of living and working with COVID. Yeah, so um, it, it's been tough. You know, I've been fortunate. So many people that I hear have had to take, you know, weeks and months and time off work. And I was fortunate not to have to do that in the traditional sense that maybe some of, of our group has. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, our school went remote. So I was working for home for many months and then we slipped into summer. We have summers off um, from the school job. So that kind of, it kind of, I think was a natural um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like just natural time off. I didn't have to take like a sick leave or anything um, because I was able to work remote. Um, you know, I have three jobs. Um, I, my full-time job is my school-based job. I do summers at the, in weekends at the acute care hospital. I do evenings and summers at the children's hospital. So, you know, I, I have all these jobs and, and just kind of scaling back was, was tough. Um, mm. But, you know, this isn't like, uh, I would say this isn't like, uh, like a knee surgery or back surgery. You can't just take six, eight, 12 weeks off and jump right back in. Um, you know, we've seen over and over again that people, um, you know, jump back in thinking they're good. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, they've crashed and they're back to, you know, square one, essentially. So, um, yeah, it has not been an easy uh, journey for myself or anybody here. 
um, for sure. Um, I seem to have lost my train of thought here. So. Well, you, you raised a really important point there about, you said your work kind of shifted in a way to being yeah. more, I, I suppose, tele-rehabilitation, being able to work mm -hmm. from home and using technology to provide your uh, physio, physical therapy interventions online. Um, and yeah. I know that uh, one of the recent preprints on characterizing um, long COVID, uh, there was some data in there about people's experiences with uh, long COVID and work. And one of the things that was reported to be supporting people to at least try and remain in, in employment uh, was actually working from home and tele-rehabilitation. Can you, why, why was that different for you? How did that help you? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think part of the thing was just, especially at that stage where I was at the beginning of, of my long COVID illness, I, I needed that physical rest. And and I was able to have that kind of working from home. Mm. Um, you know, the, you could, you know, essentially do it from the couch and that's what I, what I, all I could really manage at that point. Um, but you also didn't have all the, I guess you did it, but in a, in a sense it shifted, you know, there's a different kind of cognitive and, and um, cognitive stress that goes along that it was picking up something new, but you know, also things were, were scaled back a lot, you know, parents were busy with school. So maybe they were less focused on the physical therapy aspect of, of their schooling. So, you know, just being able to sit on the couch, make my own schedule. Um, and, you know, if, if I needed a break in the middle of the day, I had that, you know, if I needed to finish some things up at night, I could do that. If I needed, you know, an extra hour in the morning to get myself out of bed and dressed and, and looking appropriate, then I could take that. So, um, and I think that's the tough part about our, our job in most, uh, most settings is that the schedule is there and it's, it's brutal, you know, you have to go, go, go. There's patients to see, there's, you know, meetings to have, there's paperwork to finish and you have to somehow squeeze that into your, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 hour day, whatever you're working. Um, and working from home just kind of allowed you to self-paste and, and not have to worry about the schedules of um, others as much. And, um, you know, I think that was really important and a really important thing that as people are phasing back to work, they can kind of use to not make it such a dive into the deep end, you know, um, mm. you know, what can we do to kind of build in breaks throughout the day? And, and what can we do to kind of adjust to how I'm feeling? Maybe I'm okay today and I can do a little more. And, and maybe I can't at all. And, and you kind of have to judge that day by day. There's no, like, you can't schedule your rest break next Tuesday because it might be <laughs> here Thursday morning. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to manage for sure. Yeah, completely. Like I know um, from my own personal experience, I've, I've not um, been able to do working from home or telehealth because um, I've been needed to, in, in an inpatient setting because the demand mm -hmm. has been there um yeah. and there has been um changing to changes to the what the provision of care that we can provide for certain even though there may be essential rehabilitation services the the, the critical um and acute side of things has has taken all of our demand and capacity mm -hmm. uh, so i know from my own personal experience working on the wards like you were saying the cognitive loading is totally different i would presume yeah working from home mm -hmm. to being on in, in a clinical setting. Like you said, there's all those different demands. I know for me, like being on a ward, 
it's not just the demands of what's my caseload for the day. It's then navigating how you coordinate that, request help, mm. answer the phones, do everything that you need to do with the MDT, as well as planning everything that comes with it, that actually you're you're spinning 25 plates at the same time, which just doesn't seem to be the case from what I'm hearing of people that are doing outpatient telehealth services, which is I can focus on what's in front of me. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I've, you know, I've been on both sides of the coin, you know, at my acute care hospital, Ooh. We've been through several waves. I'm, I'm still working there on the weekends and, and on some breaks. And um, yeah, it definitely is different. And I've actually kind of chuckled to myself because, you know, you put on your PPE and you, uh, you get ready to go and work in the COVID floors. And, and sometimes I actually find the COVID units quite um, comforting and, and a little bit of a break because my phone is, is put away. I can't answer it because I've got my PPE on. You know, there's no extra people coming in to find you when you're in the COVID unit, you know, very, <laughs> you know, bare bones and, and the patients need lots of rest breaks and I need lots of rest breaks. So it's kind of like almost a perfect fit when I work in the COVID unit because I'm like, okay, you're tired. Okay, me too. Let's sit and talk about how we can breathe a little better right now. So, so despite having all the PPE on and sometimes they need a lot more help than maybe a typical patient might, you know, there is some sort of relief when I see that I'm scheduled in the COVID unit that day and just kind of knowing, okay, we can relate a little bit. We can talk and, and we can rest together too, because we both need it. So. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And I never, I hadn't thought of that at all. That's yeah. a really interesting reflection. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I just thought about it one day when I came home and I was like, you know, I used to be really tired when I came home from the COVID units. Cause I was, you know, working really hard and pushing them and pushing me and, and, you know, the PPE, the protective equipment is obviously very exhausting, you know, in itself. But, um, you know, I came home one day and I thought, you know, that day wasn't so bad. And I thought, why wasn't that day so bad? And I'm like, oh, it's because so-and-so needed 10 minutes to recover from their, you know, walk to the chair. And, and we were able to sit and, you know, and that's kind of when I shifted my perspective in treating some of these patients, too, is, is um, you know, obviously the physical part is there, too, but also just connecting with them and talking about, you know, how to kind of move through their phase of COVID and, and yeah. talking about the resting and pacing and things I wasn't mentioning to those patients early on. And, mm. and a lot of them kind of, you know, you know, perked up a little bit like, oh, I never thought about my breathing pattern and, and how, how that's affecting my, my uh, endurance and fatigue that day. So, um, you know, I, obviously many PTs are uh, bolstered by their personal experiences. So this has been no no difference there for me here so and that's so lovely to hear that as well because it echoes what carolyn said in the last podcast which is how being a a physiotherapist or physical therapist and now having gone through this journey may have improved her approach and responses to supporting people through their rehabilitation and it sounds like that's been the same for you as well yeah absolutely no doubt yeah like I'm, I'm wondering what have been, you sound like you, there's been positives and negatives in terms of working through COVID and living through COVID. So one of those positives has been your, your own development in terms of your practice, and especially it sounds like with communication skills, but the other has been the negatives around pacing mm-hmm. um, in the workplace, whether that be remotely or, or in person. Have you had any particular moments where you've 
figured that out or figured out what hasn't worked so well in terms of how pacing in the workplace functions? Uh, I don't think I figured it out yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's the reason I asked you because I haven't yeah. figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think we talk, um, you know, we talk a little bit in the group. There's, you know, we've mentioned the spoon theory, which I just can't grasp. So I prefer the, I think it was you who brought up the battery and uh-huh. I much prefer that analogy because it makes more sense to me. And, and some days I, I just, you know, feel like maybe I'm a two-year-old iPhone and I just can't keep a charge. And that's, <laughs> that's somehow just how the day goes. And, and I think just understanding what your, what your battery is at that day is kind of going to tell you what you can handle, you know. If I'm only at, when I get up, if I'm only at 50%, I know that I have to do something when I go to work that's going to, um, you know, not make me crash when I get home um, or prevent the crash the next day. So, so I think just the recognition of what's going on internally is, is really important, but also then you need to, to reach out and find support. And that's, that's mm-hmm. really hard to do for me and many other people, um, you know, but the important part is telling people how you feel. You know, I noticed one day I was very scattered and, and I wasn't so physically drained, but I couldn't focus on anything. I couldn't make a sentence. I couldn't do my paperwork. And, and I just had to tell somebody like, I'm sorry, I cannot do this right now. You know, and, and I just had to say, we're going to have to talk about this like another day and it's nothing against you, but I just can't put myself into it right now. Um, so I think the reaching out is, is really importance, you know, reaching out to management when possible, but also your coworkers, your peer coworkers. So they know when to support you because they likely want to support you. You know, they, they want to help you as well. And, and, and they, they're going to be there for you, but you have to reach out. They, they don't know what you're going through unless you tell them. So, so I think reaching out for help when you're having a bad day and saying, Hey, you know, can you cover this for me? Or can we move this to another day kind of thing? it is really going to help um, you kind of stop and pace and make it through the day so you can do something when you get home or, or, um, you know, get yourself together the next day. Oh, it's so true, Ted. It really is like, well, first of all, I just want to come back to the point of the two-year-old iPhone. I mean, that, that <laughs> is spot on. Yes. I mean, it is literally, it, isn't it? Like my battery is running out all the time, whether it's charged in or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know I mean, if I've gotten past 80% that. since I've, you know, had long COVID, but. Yeah. And if anyone listening isn't aware of the spoon theory, um, what we can do is we can try and put some links in underneath. Uh, but yeah, I concur. I, I'm, I'm not really good with the spoon theory I get confused <laughs> about how many spoons I've got or where I left them or whether I've right, exactly. or whether they've got jam on them or <laughs> <laughs> right yeah but but you 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 were saying there about the difficulty in acknowledging our challenges and accepting that we have those challenges and then with that being able to reach out for help um I, and it's only once we've reached out for help that that we can be supported best. I know that I, I'm not shy in coming forward. I, I had a really bad day on Friday, as you know, because I posted yeah. it in the group. So, you know, I was cognitively overstimulated and I was overwhelmed and I, I had proper sudden onset brain fog and couldn't process, couldn't, couldn't plan, couldn't think, couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't do it all. And I just crashed. And I'm mm-hmm. so lucky that I was able to speak to my line manager and I, I 
we'll give a big shout out to Laura and say thank you because she had to suffer with me ugly crying over the other side of the phone. Like I was properly bawling my eyes out because I was scared. I was right. genuinely scared yeah. that it was coming back because working and responding in the midst of a global pandemic. And uh, I, I, for those that are listening, I, I live in London and at the minute we're in the, at the height of our second wave and we have a worse situation than we did in our first wave. And so the pressures are real. And when living with an episodic and unpredictable health condition now, whilst trying to also be part of that response is really difficult to navigate. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's nearly impossible for, you know, someone who's not suffering with a chronic illness to manage right now. I mean, we, yeah. we see it constantly, um, but then to throw in that extra curveball of, of having the brain fog and having the physical fatigue and not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring for your own self, let alone the state of the country, world, et cetera, um, you know, really puts a lot of pressure on, on us as clinicians and healthcare workers to kind of deal with that. So, um, and that's where we need to recognize when we can and when we can't. And if you can't, you can't. And there's, yes. you can push, but then you're going to be on the couch for the next three, four, seven days. And then you're no help to anybody. So, um, yeah. so just, yeah, the recognition is super important. I, 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 yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, haven't you there, really? You, 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 we can't help others if we can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, completely, completely. Um, so... What do you think has been the biggest thing that you've learned during this process? Sorry, that's a really horrible question. Why am I asking questions like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great question. I just said you're, you're a font of knowledge and you're coming up with all of these like amazing snapshot messages like to your old iPhone. Like I've got yeah. I want to ask you more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that because I'm not as snappy as I used to be, it feels. <laughs> My God, so I rest it up for this uh, for this podcast. <laughs> um no I just sorry can you repeat the question because oh it was a horrible question (laughs) I think I was just diving into like oh my god what what's the biggest thing you've learned now yeah 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 no I just COVID yeah I mean I I think the internal recognition has has been the number one thing I've recognized I mean I'm a you know if it isn't evident by having three jobs I'm a workaholic I've always worked that many jobs and pushed and worked, you know, six, seven day weeks. And, and you just have to have an internal moment and conversation with yourself where you say, I can't do this. And that's a hard phrase to say. And, you know, maybe the better phrase would be, I can't do this right now. And, and yeah. maybe there's a better time when I can do this. And, and, um, you know, because I do want to save some of my, you know, last 10% for being at home and, and, you know, my family and those kind of things. So, um, you know, it's easy to put it all in and use your whole 80% at work, but you know, who's, who's suffering at the end of the day and, and is that, you know, the best for everybody. So, um, you know, I think just having that internal recognition is, is number one and, and is going to help you go the furthest. Completely. And that, that being kind to ourselves is so difficult mm-hmm. because we're so used to maybe I I kind of feel like you and me are relatively similar in terms of being a bit of a workaholic and go, go, go. Um, I know that I've, I've recently had to learn that I find value in, in uh, productivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) 
therefore being sick um, has uh, stolen that identity of value from me. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really hard to acknowledge, really hard to seek help. Um, but like you said, we're not helping anybody if we can come home and have nothing left in our two-year-old iPhone battery. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, learning from the uh, CFS group, you know, there was one phrase that really hit home, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize until it's too late, as that, you know, the decisions you make in the beginning of your um, journey with long COVID, chronic fatigue, so on, um, are really going to guide the rest of your recovery. So, so while it might seem like you need to push through it, I mean, um, you know, that period of rest at the beginning is really, really important. And again, I think what saved me was was being forced to rest, you know, by the governor of the state to say everyone in the school has to stay home. And because I wouldn't have stayed home had it been the option, I would have been out there doing everything. So, um, so for those who aren't forced to, you know, stay home, those in acute care, those in outpatient, those who are still working, um, you know, you have to take that time at the beginning to say, I need to rest, I need to recover, I need to let my, my body heal. Um, because those decisions you make in those first four, six, eight weeks, you know, are going to be how you may feel, you know, the next couple of years. So, um, you know, forcing yourself to take those moments is, is really important, I think. And what would you say to people that are so desperate to get back into physical activity or even clinicians who may be um, actively wanting to do the best for their patients, but even those that may be symptom free, for example, say over a week, um, mm-hmm. What would you say to them who may be trying to encourage physical activity and exercise? Yeah, you know, I think I think you have to take that step back and say, what would I tell a patient who is in this situation? You know, if if you have a you know a cardio patient with a low ejection fraction, you wouldn't tell them to go you know do everything under the sun. And and while that's not what's going on here, you know, it's the same idea. You know, think about how you would tell your patient to adapt and how you would tell them to, you know, change their environment to fit what they can do right now. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know, I'll speak for myself, but I'm a horrible patient. You know, I, I don't listen to any advice that I might give out. So I think we kind of need to say like, what would I tell a patient who is in this situation? And then you need to do that. So, um, it seems to be a problem among our group is that, you know, we're not that great of patients. <laughs> yeah. And I think that probably comes back to the most consistent theme that we seem to have, which is that as physios, we really struggle to stop rest and pace and mm-hmm. we are uh, professionally focused on moving more. And mm-hmm. th- that process of coming back to not moving to uh, not not being active in fact so mm-hmm. physically cognitively mentally and and resting radical rest uh, just feels so alien and it seems to be a real common thread amongst us as physios doesn't it yeah absolutely i mean it's not natural for for us to want to sit down and and not even read a book not even you know scroll through the research on long COVID, you know, you just have to <laughs> put the phone down and, and put the books down and the literature down and just, you know, just sit. And that's I nearly impossible to do. And, but if you don't do it, your body will force you to do it. Unfortunately, is, is how it works. If you 
think you can get around it. You cannot. I mean, at some point your body is going to say, okay, you're going to lay in bed for three days. Sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, felt, felt that. Yeah. Very, very easy to end up doom scrolling through Twitter, isn't it? And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, Ted, I'm going to say thank you so much for this today, because I think this has been a really lovely uh, opportunity to hear your story um, and also get some really key topics discussed around rest, pacing, um, and also the, the, the challenges in terms of working, but maybe some opportunities in terms mm-hmm. of uh, taking advantage of technology um, and and advancing that because we know that there is that opportunity. Um, so in, in, unless you had anything else that you would like to say, I wanted to say thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, I just wanted to close with kind of an overall just, you know, challenge to those who are living with long COVID and trying to work, reach out to your coworkers, reach out to your HR department, your unions, whatever you have to help you and and really figure out how you can do it and do it safely and 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 make yourself effective. Because as we've stated over and over again, you're you're no use to, to anybody if you if you end up you know in a bed bound state. So um, you know, reach out, ask for help, stop rest pace, all the stuff we've been talking about. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun and glad that we got to chat. So. Yeah, it was lovely to chat. So thank you very very much. <laughs>